May 14, 2023. It's what for Pedro's show.
Thank you.
Watt from Pedro's show. Started off, well, happy Sunday. Started off with uh, just Gillespie with John Coltrane, a young John Coltrane, 1951, live broadcast from Birdland, night in Tunisia. And then Leslie Keffer with Fertile. And because of those software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention, I got with us, people. Leslie Keffer, welcome aboard. Hello. Yeah. Great to have you aboard. I want to learn about your uh, journey through music, Leslie. So please bring your earliest musical memory. Um, I think it was getting a radio Walkman when I was like maybe in first grade. And I used to like play that all night in my room on my headphones. And I listened, we only got like three stations, but uh, I listened to a lot of like the stations that didn't come into. So I always found it really musical. Also, a lot of Walkmans were cassettes, weren't they? That was the time when Sony owned the personal music market. Yeah, I just had a radio one first, and then when I got a little older, I got a cassette one, which was awesome. Because the cassettes is how your your buddies turn you on to new shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was big time uh, with us in the 70s when the movement got started because, yeah, you know, people turn it on. Pe- people ask me about the old days. They say it was about people, so it was the new days. So, uh, Pad, you grew up in, did they have musical instruments? Um, I got a guitar when I was, like, in ninth grade, I think, and took lessons. Oh, so but, there wasn't um, one in the pad yet. Because yeah, I'm, I'm wondering I, about, so did you ask for that guitar? I did. I wanted to learn how to play Nirvana. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Were you in, like, for school, like grade school and shit, the choir, the marching band, shit like that? Um, I played clarinet for one year in grade school. Yeah. But other than that, I really wasn't into any else until I got out of uh, high school and went to college and then there I did audio production and music now, now that one year clarinet the licorice stick you didn't take to it or the teacher didn't want you doing it anymore or what because that's what happened um, to me after 10 weeks in 7th grade Mr. Luna here at Dotson said Mr. Watt you try hard but <laughs> you ain't got it I kind of think I did a different extracurricular, extracurricular activity instead, but I can't remember what I did. I kind of remember not practicing and my mom being like, you can't do this again unless you practice. I remember him, uh, Mr. Luna, you know, it's in front of the class, right? So it's like, you know, I don't want you to waste your time, Mr. Watt, or, or my time. And he looked at the class, he goes, or our time. <laughs> oh, man. So thank God for D. Boomy, because that's how I got into music, to be with my friend. So uh, first record you bought with your own money, was it Nirvana? Um, no, it was actually Belly, um, their album Star, oh, and the Cranberries. What was her name? Tama, Tamala? Tanya Donnelly. Tanya, that's right. She had that band with her half-sister, right? Before that. So. Yeah, she had a band before that. Uh, God, I can't get my memory so bad, but. Okay. I can't remember either. One time I was a child with her when she had the band called Belly. And it w- with David Crosby was there too. Wouldn't say a word. Just these glowering looks. It was awkward, <laughs> very awkward. But, uh, God, I can't think of that band. That that name. But New England band, I remember. Okay, and first gig you saw? Tori Amos in 1994. Great singer. Great singer. Yeah. Yeah. She and, was my favorite. Yeah. growing up for sure i think she's still she'll still going she took some time off but i think she's coming back with some new music uh, yeah i saw she was touring yeah great what about now you you got this guitar you said when you were a teenager uh, what was it, acoustic or electric it was acoustic 
Now, did you trip out? Like, why don't this sound like the fucking Nirvana record? Yes. I remember I took like tablature into my teacher and he was like, you are not going to be able to play this or it's not going to sound the way you wanted it to, which was okay because it made me kind of figure out to play my own songs. You know what I mean? You know what though? Later they took uh, my buddies and me puppets on tour and they did do some acoustic, uh, like some of their songs, right? Lake of fire and shit. They they did their own covers, right? Of me puppets, and I think what was what was it called? Uh, Unplugged, yeah. So oh, uh, MTV Unplugged, yeah. Yeah, right, right. So they ended up kind of doing acoustic versions a little later. Uh, let me ask you this: um, um, not after school, like because you said that's when you really get into music when you go to college, but. Was there any time when you had that guitar in high school, junior high, or shit like that, where, not graduating, but after noon, the garage band, basement band, bedroom band? Yeah, I did play with my girlfriend and her boyfriend, and I cannot remember the name of our band, but it was really corny. But I remember we wrote songs, and I remember one I wrote was called like Joan of Arc, because I had just learned about her. But we, we did play in her uh, boyfriend's garage a lot. Now, did was that the first song you wrote? Yeah, I think so. Wow. There's a statue of her outside this tell that I used to stay in when I was helping the Stooges out in Paris. It was all gold and shit right, right by the river there. And oh, wow. uh, she, she was an intense lady, right? Uh, and, you know, she saves the country, but they uh, turn her over to the other side so she could get burned. <laughs> It's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally fucking way. Okay, so she heard some voices and cut her hair like a boy. Yeah, they had the the, the uh, close identity issues in those days too. But at least they had seven, eight hundred years ago uh, for an excuse. Uh, let me ask you this: uh, you, you guys did gigs? Or, no, or, we didn't. Oh, so you were ju- you just jammed until, in the like, garage here? Yeah. Okay, when was your first gig? Um, I think it was right after college, so like 2001 or two, and it was at a local bar. And um, I played with this band called Flesh World. It was just a bunch of the punk rock boys and me. And I had made this guitar where I like, had someone cut it. I worked with this girl at the coffee shop that worked at a guitar making studio and she cut out a hole for me to put radios into it. And I ran an out so I could play radios and guitars at the same time. So I would just get up there and kind of fake play guitar, but be blasting like radios and <laughs> acting like I was playing the guitar. It was really fun. Okay. what well, It was kind of, it was a pseudo guitar. Yes. I mean, I could still play the the actual guitar part, but I would find when I was playing live, it was more fun just to play with the radios and make (laughs) different rhythms and sounds with that. Well, in English language, we say you play the radio, right? In fact, I remember an old episode of Beverly Hillbillies where Jethro says, you know, I can play. Yeah, he's got all these different kinds of uh, fiddles, right? And then the one with the little handle on the side, they just turns on because it's got a music box in it right? he goes I, I play this one the best uh, now would you call that first gig a success yeah it was 
really fun. I think so. I mean, I always had enjoyed it, and the audience seemed to, like, love thrashing around to it. But it wasn't your band. You were playing somebody else's stuff? No, no, we played our own songs. No, but, but I, I didn't, I didn't understand the band. Like, you joined these, you said punk rock boys. It was their band that you joined, or you, you guys made a band together? Oh, we kind of made it together, oh, but okay. they kind of wrote the songs, and I kind of just played with them. And then I started doing my own solo stuff kind of during that time. Okay. And, and But that, that that's after college. Before you said you got you kind of got into music yourself as college came? Yeah, but I didn't get to play a gig at, um, until about a year after, till about 2002 or three. Okay. So. And, uh, yeah, I mean, things happen when they happen, right? And, uh, right. But once once you got bit, bit by the bug, right, you got into it? Yeah, definitely, because I had been recording since the end of college, making these recordings with, re- like, layering radios and whatnot, and... I, then I finally got the opportunity to play live because my friend asked me to book this band, Nautical Almanac, at the local bar. I wasn't booking for them, but I knew the guy who did. So I set up the show and I just billed myself with them. So, okay, okay. To get a live thing, you join in with these boys, but you were woman alone recording. Yes. Okay, okay. So kind of parallel universes at the time. You you gave me this, uh, how do you pronounce this, Fosses? Foses. Foses, as opposed to feces. <laughs> yes, it's the opening in the back of your throat. Oh, shit. Thank you for enlightening yeah. me. Okay, let's listen. Thank you. 
Live from Pedro Show. It's deja vu all over again, people. Start the second hour of Foss's Leslie Cuff from Pelican Man Park 10, Plant Chernobyl, Arabia Saudita, Peru, Stefano Polia, the Holy Sailor, Mercy Honest, Above the Tree, featuring Father Murphy, Riding the Paddles, Bonus Brennan, 1918-1944 from Andre of Gurionov, and finally Conduit from Leslie Keffer. And we're picking up from where she did that live gig, but she's also still doing the recording, composing at home. Take it from there, Leslie. Well, after I booked myself with Nautical Almanac, Carly and Twig stayed at my house, and they were, like, really interested in what I was doing. So they offered, they were like, can you take your recordings and kind of make them an album, and we'll put it out. And after they did that, they helped me, like, meet people and book shows. So I went on a tour by myself and kind of met everybody that I now have known for years and played with. So that was... That was kind of like how they got. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, so what you're saying is once this was uh, these guys you were playing with were associated with a label. Um. Well, Carly and Twig ran uh, Hearsay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Understand. Understand. Yeah. See the the world of people connecting with people being creative. That's a fucking thing, huh? Yeah. That's how. Like. I don't, the connections are where it's at to get you like, I don't know, just making friends and meeting the people that are interested in the same stuff as you. And that stuff you were recording, Woman Alone Mode, uh, it wasn't just acoustic guitar, was it? No, it was just five radio Walkmans dialed to different static stations through a mixer board. And I would mix them live and sometimes sing with them, just make sounds with my mouth, not really sing words or anything. Like scat? Kind of. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and what'd you call this? Was this called just Leslie Keffer? Yes. Okay. I originally was dialectric law, but then Carly told me I should go by my real name. So I, I decided to do that. Now, I thought that was good advice. Know, they, they schooled me at Pedro high here in electricity and shit. So, uh, I understand dialectic wall to be, uh, yeah, the membrane in a capacitor but the, between the two, uh, yeah, anode cathode, right? I think so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> dielectric. Yeah, it's kind of an insulating thing. Yeah, that's kind of what I remember it as. I kind of like the idea of this, like, home that was, like, lawing. Okay, okay. And uh, the, the interaction of the five... Uh, Stations they ain't really in tune, so they're kind of like fading in and out. Well, I actually would listen to them in my headphones before I brought them in, so I was able to tune the radio till I found stations that were in tune with each other. Oh, okay. Or at least what I thought were in tune with each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so, what was touring like? Just a suitcase. Yeah, I bought a Chevy station wagon that was really old for like 800 bucks. And this was in 2003. It was before I had a cell phone and I had to like use an atlas and call the different places when I got to the city from a pay phone to get directions to the venue. <laughs> but it was super liberating and exciting and scary to just travel the East Coast by myself and meet all these new people and like form all these friendships. 
Your first tour. Yeah. How many gigs? I think it was seven, maybe eight. Whoa. And then when you get done with the tour, what, you come back home to make more music? Yeah, I was really inspired because prior to doing that tour, I didn't understand there was this noise experimental music scene or that it was even a genre of music because I had never heard it before. So to meet other people doing things in a similar vein as me, it was so exciting for me and so inspiring. I came home and just started recording all the time. So before this, you didn't really have a role model. No, I was listening to like techno and Bjork and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's a little different. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Although she could get she could get pretty wild sometimes. But yeah. Definitely. It seems that lady ain't afraid of shit, man. It's uh, you know, she tries anything. And uh but but the experience of you doing it and then finding like my minded things and yeah, that idea like, oh, is there a genre I can fit into? What a nightmare. Right, because everybody I played, you know, my radio recordings for were just like, what? Like, are you, like, they thought it was a joke, kind of like, this isn't music. Like, what, what are you making me listen to? So it was kind of discouraging at the beginning. But then once I did that tour and realized there was this group of people that were all linked together that supported each other, it was very exciting. Well, well, did you, uh, find out about bands like, you know, I mean, Throbbing Gristle was doing this in the 70s. Right. I didn't even learn about Throbbing Gristle till like the late, mid-2000s. Okay. No, I no. I didn't no. really have access to a record store growing up. We lived in a really small town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, of course, the situation. But I'm, I'm just thinking, not of you so much, but those assholes saying, you know, is this music? This shit's been oh, going yeah. around long. It's been going around for a while. And, you yeah, know, any true. kind of new music gets called shit at first. It just does because the status quo don't want competition or whatever. They're just uh, no patience. They can't, you know, sit and learn or I don't know what it is. But I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you you know, you take blows, especially if you're a pioneer. You're going you're gonna to take shit and stuff like that. But you, you did get, you did find out about Throb and Gristle, right? Okay. Because those guys... Yeah. Pioneers, and then going before them, right? Futurists were doing con music concrete and shit like that. And actually, it's like a hundred year old thing now. Wow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, sometimes the only thing new is you finding out about it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> no, same thing with me. And in fact, if you ask me, the whole movement was kind of about that because, you know, I, I I got to help the Stooges for 125 months. And they told me there was little clubs and little labels and little bands in the 60s. It just got lost in the 70s with that arena rock shit. So basically the the movement for us was just finding about, out about stuff that had already been going on. So I think that's going to happen all the t kind of time, you know. I know now we got kind of a ways of... Uh, alert each other with the CB radio kind of thing called social media. So, but still, <laughs> I, I think there's still a lot of ignorance and shit. So things happen when they happen. The the main point is you have, uh, you got into it and then you, f you found your own way through it. You weren't told how to do it. I, I dig that. So you Dang. come home off this tour 
and you start writing a batch of new material based on that experience. Yes. Well, then what happens after that? When music kind of started to change, it was kind of airy and intricate. Like I spent a lot of time finding these stations and tuning them and doing all these things. But when I saw it live, the energy of live noise music was just so like it shook my inner core, you know, and I wanted to somehow record something like that, that that had that same quality. So I started kind of getting louder and, you know, more harsh noise, I guess, for just for a minute. But that was kind of after those that tour, I kind of got more just I was able to be like, I can be loud. I can be noisy. This is great. What about using a table? Did you use a table? Yes, I used a table. Okay. <laughs> that's I used a... to climb up on it while I was playing. Okay, sometimes. I was going to say, because Victoria Shen, you know, uh, there's a lady out here who, uh, she she gets very physical about it. And even though, it, you know, yeah, the beats are a little hard to detect a little bit. Uh, it's very physical and stuff. So, uh, yeah. But I was wondering about the table. So if you're using the table like kind of a, yeah, a launch pad or a diving board <laughs> or, uh, you know what I'm saying, it's part of the, the gig, right? Yeah, like sometimes I would just get so into it. I would like pick up the table and shake it and my stuff would fly off, but it would still be going. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love but it. I, I would go into like a trance state, you know. I sure, just sure. kind of did whatever that. You know about Sufis? Thing. You know those dervishes that dance, they spin? Oh, no. Same thing, they get them in states. Yeah, it's called a static, right? Look, we're at the end of the first hour. Really interesting. Thanks so much, Leslie. We're at that first uh, hour, May 14, 2023. Dish Wapito, special guest, Leslie Keffer. Hold tight for hour two. May 14, 2023. It's the second hour of the Wap for Pedro show.
lot for Pedro Show. Start off the second hour with Leslie Keffer doing internal. Baham. Bajan boy, I'm sorry. Bahan. You know, J's mean different things, different that same alphabet but different culture. Bajan boy with the guide and light. Brother AJ from Netherlands. Matt Nelson, Thaddeus Brown with double sin syrinx. Double syrinx, sorry. And uh Leslie Keffer. Mineral cloak. So, off air, you were telling me something about some evolution. Yeah, I like just finished an album and I decided I wanted to sing more. But when I did sing on this record, I would go into trance state and I channeled this blue veiled woman being and she would sing through me. So I'm singing in tongues most of the time. And it's, I know I was like channeling something because when I sing along to the album now, I can't hit the notes. Like it's completely out of my range. So I find it that trance work with music can be very powerful and you can come up with lots of like things that maybe, you know, your conscious brain wouldn't be capable of. Whoa. Okay. And, and, and like you stumbled onto it. Yeah, it kind of just happened. I wrote one song and I sang on it and I was like, okay, maybe I'll write some more like this. And I can honestly tell you, I don't remember writing any of the songs. I wrote them over this past winter and I remember sitting down to do it. But when I listen back, I don't remember composing it at all. Like I was completely in another state of mind. and this is opposed to like the way you used to compose before. What, what do you make demos? Do you uh, uh, make little uh, scores, uh, graphic things? Uh... Well, I used to only improvise, and this is probably maybe the second, third record where I wrote actual songs. Okay, okay, and and what? what you just felt that you kind of uh, did the improvise. You wanted to ch- uh, try different directions. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It was just, I had it, I kind of just woke up one morning and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. It kind of came to me out of nowhere. And, um, you know, I, I kind of started dreaming about it too. Oh, really? Yeah, just kind of, of these alternative worlds where, like, when I would sing before I, like, lost where I, you know, before I went into the trance, I would imagine yeah. these, like, solicified force with, trees made out of stone and everything's like bioluminescent. So I imagine this being I was channeling was part of that realm. So I would kind of have these dreams like that. One time I was in Yosemite and it was at nighttime and the lichen on the trunks of the trees was doing that kind of luminescent trip. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I was tripping balls on some L and it, it kind of blew my mind. I bet that's awesome. Perfect time to see it. Yeah. Look, you gave me this tune here called Sap to talk about stuff with trees, right? Sap.
Watch for Pedro Show. That chunk of music star of Leslie Keffer doing Sap. Then Moon X, brand new from those cats. Hollow Man is the tune. Paranoid State, another Dutch band. Lost Gauze is the tune. Damon Smith and Pendelis Karyorgis with Extruded. That's a weird word. Yeah, it just it 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 extrudes. Okay, Leslie Keffer finally with invocation. Okay, so uh, I don't know the timeline of these tunes. Like, like Sap. Where was this in the arc of your career? Sap was actually recorded in two thousand two or two thousand three. So early Uh, on, okay. It was a track from um, an outtake from my first album that I did for Hear See. And um, I just recently released on no part of it um, all the tracks I didn't put on that album. And I made them into an album called Reverie. And that track's from it. And this is the first batch that you those people heard you do. And they said, hey, you got to make an album. Yeah, it was from that. Because actually, when you were making that music, you never had any idea of it being released as an album. No, I didn't. I was just doing it because I was just driven to, I guess. Yeah. And, and do you use, uh, for the recording thing, do you use a pewter? Do you use four-track, cassette? Um, Back then, I just recorded out of my mixer board straight to mini-disc. Mini-disc. And... Okay. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah, and then now I record into Audacity on my computer. Ah, there was somebody just on the show a couple episodes ago that was using Audacity. Do do you because people I've talked to before who use Audacity, people uh, listeners out there, it's a it's software, and you can turn your computer into a studio, but you can also perform with it, right? I think so, but I haven't figured that out. Oh, yet. you use it more like a studio, okay? Yeah. Okay, because I've heard of people using it and reason and stuff like this. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the laptops, like the band. Right. I need to figure out, I need to get reason or something like that and experiment with it. I think it would be cool. There's one called live, right? Ableton. Is that the same thing you're talking about? Okay. Oh, Ableton live. Yeah. Ableton. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I don't have a lot of experience uh, in that either. Cause like when I use pewters, I, I basically use them like tape recorders. Yeah. That's what I do pretty much. Yeah. And do you do you make demos? No, it's, um, it's the real deal, no. right? Yeah. I just sit down and write and record it as I write it, I guess. Right, and you don't have to show anybody else. I mean, do you do you collab with people? I do. I did um, six LPs with Arvo Zylo um, oh, wow. under his project how, called now, Blood Rhythms last year. How did that happen? We um, met like in twenty. 22 i don't know 2003 and then about a year or two ago we reconnected online and kind of just started chatting and we kind of just it led to that and, and how's it work who goes first um we both would go for back and forth like one album like he would send me stuff first and i would add stuff and then send it back to him and he would add and then other times i would send him something first and then he would you know we just kind of would send it back and forth so we thought it was complete Oh, so it'd go back more than once, like call response, but many layers. Yes, it was. Um, it's like a they're drone records, so there was lots of layers. Okay, okay, 
But I, what I mean is, like, you only got one. You had more than one respond, a chance to respond to him, and the same with him. He had a chance to respond to you. And so yeah. You, and how many albums? We did six. It was wow. called Horror Palation. Okay. <laughs> and what, was there? A, uh, did you guys have a, a, a basic theme or concept? Yeah, what we did was mainly my part that I added to it. I would sing mantras and um, do other vocalizations and send them to him. And then he would start layering them and manipulating them. And then we'd go back and forth and I'd send him more or it was whatever this, we needed. And was this vocals with, because you, you were saying that recently, you're trying to do vocals without effects. Were you using effects with him? No, I actually sent him raw vocals, and then he would add effects to it. He would treat it. Okay, okay. Yeah. Sure. And th uh, uh, these babies, at the end of the day, would be mixed by him? Or would uh, you take turns? Yeah, he did most of the final mixing and mastering of it. So, yeah, I give him credit for that. Right, right. Now, what about things like Leslie Keffer things? Do you ask people to come, hey, would you like kind of be a side person, right? Um, like to record it? Yeah. Have you ever um, done no, that? I, I do it all, but I do have Rat Bastard Master oh, on my stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had him on the show a couple of years ago. And in fact, going to, he's got a, I think he, his record store is also a gig pad. I think I'm going to be playing there in the fall, Miami. Oh, cool. Yeah. Brother Steve, too, the sax man for the Stooges, was good friends with him. He's a good yeah, kid. I played with him. I was in the Squelters with Rat for like 12 or 13 years. And when we would go to Chicago, he always played with us. Wow. How did you meet him? Through Rat. No, but how'd you meet Matt? I mean, Rat. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't really remember. I think, to be honest, he reached out to me and invited me to play his international noise conference down in Miami. Sure. sure. And, and then when I got there, he picked me up from the airport and that was the first time I met him. You know what? It's part of that, that noise community you were talking about. Of course, of course, stupid what? Slow learn. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, May 14, <laughs> 2023 edition of Pedro show. Special guest, Leslie Keffer. Hold tight. Hour three. May 14, 2023, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
Watch for Pedro's show. He start off the third hour. Leslie Keffer doing Tremble. Then uh, Emergency Room with three. Yeah, all the songs from their record have numbers. Yeah, titles are too complicated. I, I want to ask you about time. Uh, primary Mystical Experience with Coconuts. This is a drummer, composer. So, so is Emergency Room. Brendan Etter. I think it was his college band. From Poland, Troop of Troop with Lions. And finally, Leslie Keffer with The Veil. Is this the, the Blue Veil, the lady with the Blue Veil? Yes, that's that's the first song on that album called Veiled Matter. Okay, okay. Okay, and, and, and tell me about Tremble. I haven't asked you much about the, uh, the songs in particular. But, like, where, at what point do you get the title? Do you start with them ever? Are they at the end or in the middle? Or They're always at the end. They might start to form in the middle. Like, I get the idea and the feeling and the mood. But the name usually comes once I finish the song. And now, these don't sound like radio stations so much. Your sound has evolved, right? Yeah, I do use some radios on the new album, but like half the songs have radios probably. But the veil is all vocals. Um, I do sing the main vocals like straight up just with reverb, but uh -huh. then all the music underneath besides the drum beat yeah. are vocals I've manipulated to try to sound like synths or strings. because yeah, I was going to say, they're very synthy sounding. <laughs> but, that, but that's the bitching thing about being able to manipulate and treat stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I don't have a lot of gear anymore, so um, for me, it's been like a godsend to be able to do that. And what do you mean anymore? You you went through some changes? Um, yeah, I had to sell some of my stuff a long time ago, and then um, a lot of it broke. I still have a lot of it, but um, so I've kind of just I kind of just have a Korg Voca Beats right now and a micro Korg synth and radios that I play. Yeah, yeah. Your arsenal, yeah, <laughs> and uh, but but like like you're saying, everything's vocabulary. So in a way, uh, you having to deal with these, I don't know, misfortunes. Uh, it just uh, has you being more uh, improvised. Uh, search for other opportunities to express yourself. Yeah, they you know, it opened a new window for sure. Yeah, there's a Dutch saying, right? One hatch sh shuts, two other ones open. I like that. <laughs> Very optimistic thinking. And uh, so when was, was this new record done? What was that? This new record. When was it done? Um, I finished it um, the end of February, beginning of March maybe. And um, it will be out in October on yeah. no part of okay. it. Okay, so the, you're organizing a tour for it? No, I can't really tour at the moment. I have epilepsy, so I kind of had to take a step back from playing live for now until I kind of figure out what I can handle and what I can't. Now, now did you know about this stuff until it got on you? Um, because I think people like Vincent, you know, the painter, he didn't know. That you had it? Yeah, because, well, it was 100 years ago, right? 150 years ago, so they didn't know as much stuff. Well, but, I knew I've had them since I was in high school, but they stopped for a while, and then they came back. And um, You're talking my, about, like, the seizures? I, 
Yeah, so like they couldn't, they weren't showing up on tests they did because the type I have only shows up on tests when you're actually having one. Jeez. So for years, I didn't know what was wrong with me because they kept telling me I wasn't epileptic. So it was very unnerving at times. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it was diagnosed eight years ago. So I've been kind of just, and you do, know. You think this stuff informs your work? It must, right? Oh, definitely. I, I hear like aud audio right before a seizure happens. And sometimes it's like angelic type of music sounds or staticky sounds. And I find it kind of interesting that I try to use that kind of stuff in my music. Yeah. I think the writer, uh, Dostoevsky, and, and uh, reading somebody's paper saying that it had bearing on his right. I remember me and Dee Boone, remember that movie Exorcist? We were yeah. seeing that the week it came out here in Pedro. We were like 13 years old. And some guy, you know, that's got this girl cussing and shit, right? And <laughs> spitting up shit. And then in the intermission, in the lobby, some guy was having a grandma thing on the deck. And he's like swallowing the tongue. We had never, we didn't know what it was. Oh, I bet it's scary to see someone have yeah. one. And it's the nervous system just in a, a rapture or something, some freak out, right? Yeah, it just glitches out. Right. Like. All your brain, all your neurons fire at once instead of, you know, sporadically like they normally do. Right. So it's just like a surge of electricity goes through my body and then I black out. Wow. Wow. Okay. You gave me this tune here, Perceive. I want to play it.
Thank you.
For Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Started the chunk off with Leslie Keffer doing Perceive. Then Tragic Assembly with Future Confidence. And finally, like what you were saying before with your, your uh, some of your types of singing. In Tongues, Leslie Keffer. Yeah, you know, uh, I think probably the voice was one of the first musical instruments human beings used. I think maybe the I, second one was maybe the bottoms of the feet for drums, right? Dancing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so what do you got planned? Well, this record's going to come out, and you ain't going to tour it because I heard about that situation. You know, a lot, a lot of people I have on the show, when they get done with the record, they're already thinking of the next one. You know, it's all this trouble to make it, but then, like, right away, it's like, fuck, I want to make another one. Are you like that? Yeah, kind of. I put out a lot of records last year. So this year I was like, I'm just going to put out one because I think I was like overdoing it to make up for like the 10 years I didn't make music. Um, So this year I just kind of wanted to put out one like thing I was really proud of. So I'm kind of taking a break since I finished that and I'll probably start up, you know, the maybe midsummer. I just like, I usually take two or three months off after I make an album and then start up again. And like, do you, you see the records as part of big continuum or as each one, its own uh, life of its own like thing. Like there's the Leslie Keffer solar system, but then the records are different planets. Yeah, I think so, especially the last three, like Perceive and Ethereal and this one, they kind of follow like a theme of transcending like 
conscious thinking, I guess. Yeah. And uh, what about the uh, that cat you were doing the collabs with? You got plans to do uh, more of that? Yeah, we're, we, we're going to do a noise project now. We've just kind of came up with a concept for it, and we're probably going to start working on that this year. So I'm excited because Arvo is really fun to work with. And and let's let's get into some semantics here. I mean, when do you start calling it noise, or when do you call something music, or maybe that's that's the intense part of it, right? Yeah, I guess I should say noise music instead of just noise, but just like a more harsher, noisier sounding record than our last kind of dronier, not so noisy record. You know, Mr. Cage said something about noise. He said uh, it might be the most, like, whatever, exquisite Mozart kind of piece being played. But if you're talking to your buddy and that shit's interrupting you, that's noise. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I mean, he was quite the conceptualist, right? He's got that piece where you just open up the music <laughs> and shut it af- down after four and a half minutes. Yeah. I mean concepts are everything you know and so so you're saying that this uh collab is going to differ from the other ones by being a little bit harsher yeah i think so that's what we're kind of talking about anyway so we'll see how it actually comes out and 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 who's going to go first because you know that's always um you know i'm kind of newer to improvised music and stuff and that's always been the big question to me who goes first I think it's good to rotate songs and kind ah. of give someone the first turn and then the next song, the other person right. goes. But he sent me source material last week and I added stuff to it. So I guess he sent me something first this time. You know, I like that philosophy, though, because I think that's what life's about. It's about taking turns. When anything gets too frozen in the regiment kind of stuff, it the, the creativity kind of gets stomped down. Yeah. Well, look, can I put an invite out? When you guys get this record done, will you come back on the show and we can talk about it? Play it? Oh, of course. That'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Might not be touring right now, but you can always come on the Watt for Pedro show. Oh, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Of course, Leslie. Thank you so much. Huge honor. People, it's been the May 14, 2023 edition of Watt for Pedro show. Keep your powder dry.